If you have your Bible, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. As you're going there, just let me uh, remind you kind of where we've come from. As you look at uh, 1 Timothy, Paul's instruction to Timothy. He's encouraging him in chapter 1 concerning the false doctrine. Uh, Chapter 2, he's going to share with him how to deal with men and women uh, in a church situation. Chapter 3, he's going to go through the qualifications for elders. And uh, one of the things I think is very important as we go through this uh, passage of Scripture, um, today we're going to continue on. By the end of today, we'll, we'll cover the first 10 of this passage of Scripture. There'll be five more that we'll finish um, next week. Uh, as you go through this, I hope this will be an encouragement to you to stop and say, yes, this, uh, these are some characteristics or character qualities that we are praying and, and uh, for our leadership, for our elders. But I also pray that you'll stop and say, Lord, what are the areas of my life as I look through this list that the Holy Spirit's going to encourage you to grow in? Uh, as we started uh, uh, two weeks ago, it was uh, first print, or first uh, Timothy chapter three. We talked about being above reproach. Uh, that is blameless. A good passage of scripture that goes with that is Psalm chapter one. Husband of one wife uh, is Ephesians chapter five. A good passage of scripture to go with that. And encouraging husbands actually to love their wives as Christ loved the church, not the way the world is demonstrating love, but encouraging men to be self-sacrificial uh, servants in their home, caring and loving their wives. Uh, encouraging our leadership to be temperate, which is watchful. First uh, Peter chapter five verse eight, uh, because we know that the devil is out there lurking to seek and uh, devour those who are are lost, and so we need to be aware of what's going on around us. Self control and respectable is the other ones that we covered. Um, and also, as you think about self control, I would encourage you in a generation uh, to look at First Corinthians chapter nine, uh, twenty five to twenty seven. As you think about self-control, I would encourage you as a believer, as someone says, yes, I have Jesus as my Savior, to be willing to say no to the lies of the world in your own flesh. Taking control of your own flesh the way an athlete does. And trains and, and, and buffs and says, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put energy and effort into this. And I would challenge you as a Christian to say, hey, look, I'm not going to get involved in that. I'm going to beat my body and say, no, I'm not going to follow the lies of the world in this area of my life. I want to hold that in subjection to the power of the Holy Spirit with his help. Uh, this morning, we're going to start with the word hospitable. Uh, so if you have your Bible, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and also I want to encourage you, even though we have screens, I don't know how much longer we're going to put Bible verses on the screen. The reason is I want you to bring your own Bible. If you're a carpenter or if you're an accountant, you'd go to your work and you go prepared. You take the things that you need. It's kind of obvious to me because we are a Bible Fellowship Church. It would be obvious that we're going to open our Bibles. It would be obvious, and I, I will have a camera at each door to see which person did not bring their Bible this week. Um, so that we will make sure that we identify you next Sunday. Um, but I just encourage you to bring your Bible. Make it yours. Open up the Word of God. And, and bring it right in it, but make it so, I mean, just a demonstration. Say, hey, look, this is something I'm carrying to church today, and I'm going to use it during the week just so, like, I'm going to use it on a Sunday morning. So that's a little side message. I will wait and see how long it takes for me to actually say no scriptures on the screen. But anyway, First Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 2, you pick it up this. Now, an overseer, an elder, a leader in, our, in the church of, uh, the, of Ephesus is this, 
must be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle and not quarrelsome. So as you look at this passage of Scripture, we're going to start with hospitality. Uh, in that day and age, uh, the believers would travel. They would not stay in the local inns because the local inns had meat and offerings that were sacrificed to idols. So they didn't have a place to stay. And so in this church, Paul's going to encourage Timothy to encourage their leaders to be hospitable. As a believer comes through their community, open up your home, allow them into your home because they will not have a place to stay. And so the word hospitable is that lonely strangers, early church needed help, would travel. Now there wasn't any holiday inns or embassy suites or quality inns or whatever you like to stay back in those days. So those believers that were coming to Jerusalem and to church areas needed a place to stay. And so he's going to encourage them, these leaders, to open their homes. The next one on that list is able to teach. Now this is something I think is very important for our society and our own personal church family. We all need, not just, not just the elders of our church, we all need to be students of Scripture. We need to be people that are opening our Bibles, looking at it, and said, okay, look, this is what the Word of God says, and I'm going to apply it to my life. I guess a good word picture would be open Bible, open hearts of surrender to what the Bible has to say. So if my Bible's open and I read something in Scripture and it says, and it punches me in the nose or hits me between the eyes or convicts me that I need to be a person and say, okay, Lord, my heart is going to surrender to you. My heart's going to say, yes, I want to change this area of my life. That's not what it means to be able to teach. This is what it means. Not merely a readiness to teach is implied but the spiritual power to do so as the outcome of a prayerful meditation in the Word of God and a practical application of its truth to oneself. I got that from the expositor's commentary. One of the opportunities that I get is to open this Bible to you. Here's the Word of God, and I'm going to open it to you. You know what's only going to change your life? Holy Spirit. I want to do my part to say, okay, look, this is what the Word of God says. It's important for me to say, this is the, what the Word of God says. The other thing that's very, very important, not just be able to open it and say, here it is. Here's the Word of God. I'm going to teach you this. I'm going to give you information. The other part of my life is that I have to step back and say, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to surrender to what you teach me. I'm going to hold myself accountable to what you show me is true in the Word of God. I'm going to make my life as best as I can with the help of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, make my life become subjection to the truth of the Word of God. Now, in saying that, I also want to say this. I think it's very important as a family that we clarify what we're going to teach. There's a lot of little different preferences, soapboxes, things that we think are important. And I want to clarify it. And I, basically how I'm going to clarify it, I'm going to go back to our doctrinal statement of Bible Fellowship Church, and I'm just going to read you off a passage of Scripture. I'm just going to not pass the Scripture. I'm going to read you off our doctrinal statement. Not all of it, so you don't have to worry. But I, I want this to be, if I could be anything as a person that encourages your heart, I want us to teach certain things. Things that actually are going to matter for eternity. Not my preference. This is what I think is important. Jesus' virgin birth, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Jesus' substitutionary death, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. 
Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John chapter 2, 1 and 2. The bodily resurrection of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First importance, what was it? Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Three days later, according to the scripture, he rose again. It's all according to the scripture. I think also something that's very important is for us as believers, and when I define a believer, I really want to, I would like to use the word Christ follower. If I'm in this building and I say that Jesus, I've asked for forgiveness of my sins, there's a time in my life, you've heard me tell the story, that I was a whirly bird. Paul Patton scared the hell out of me and I was not going to go to hell, so whatever Paul Patton said, I was going to do whatever he told me to do. So Paul Patton said, you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness of your sin. You need to say, recognize that you're a sinner. I said, all right, Paul, just tell me whatever you want. I'm here to do it. I did it. You know what's really exciting? The day that I said yes to Jesus, you know what he did? He deposited something in my life, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. The day that you believed is the day that you were sealed. There was something stamped in your life on that day to make sure that you, were, that you had power to have life change. So if you're sitting in this building and you've said yes to Jesus, guess what? There's something living inside of you that's different than anything the world has to offer. Now here's something that's very interesting. Here's a little gut check, maybe a little accountability question. You saying, there's a river of life flowing out of me. Is that true or not? Because it's really easy. In the day and age that we live, there's a lot of things that can distract us from the the river of life that's flowing out of us. There's a lot of things that will distract us from sitting down and having a conversation with an open Bible, with an individual talking about Jesus, virgin birth, substitutionary, atoning death, bodily resurrection. Those things are things that will radically change people's life. What my view is about this, this, and this, doesn't really matter at the end of the day. So as a family, our priority, the things that we should value the most, the things that we should talk about the most, is Jesus Christ. All of you know this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. It says to us, Go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing people and doing what? Teaching them to obey. Huh. It's very interesting. So we've gathered this morning. Your Bible's here. You've got an opportunity to learn some more information. Able to teach. The Word of God's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you to take something that you've learned and call it truth. Go sit down with somebody else and say, hey, this is what I've learned from the Word of God. How do I make change? Because the Holy Spirit's living in my life. Can I change me? No. And God knew that. And so God made a plan that when Jesus would leave this earth, He would send a gift. It's called the Holy Spirit. He sent that gift for help. The last verse that I want to encourage you as you think about your teaching is John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through Him. 
something that's very interesting to me. You're also saying, how could I but love, serve, follow you? So the one that was willing to die on a cross for you wants you wants to teach you something. Here's information. Sometimes it's going to be encouragement. Sometimes it's going to be discouraging. Sometimes it's going to punch you in the nose. Sometimes you're going to look at the Word of God and say, you know what? I don't want to do this. I don't like this. This is not convenient for my lifestyle. And then you're going to have to make a decision. You know what the decision is? You're going to have to look him in the eye and say, you know what? I'm not interested in you anymore. I don't love you that much. I don't really care about my relationship with you. The one who's willing to die on the cross for your sins, you have opportunity based on your lifestyle. When he shows you something, are you going to have the courage to follow him because you love him? Or are you going to be one of those people like a, a big percentage sitting in buildings like this? There's a time in your life that you said, you know what? Yeah, Jesus, I want to ask for forgiveness of my sins. I put my hand in here. That's me. I'm not so sure. The person that's sitting in a building called church, just because they put their hand in there and say, Yeah, Jesus, I want forgiveness of my sins, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. I'm not saying that my works get me to heaven. I'm saying my lifestyle should demonstrate what he wants from my life. You know how I find that? With an open Bible. And I also want to encourage you when you come with your open Bible, do not sit down with your interpretation of your Bible before you read it. Well, God, this is what I really want today. So I go flip around in my Bible, find what I want. Oh, yeah, that satisfies me today. No, no, don't do it. Sit down with the open Word of God as we're doing this morning. What is Paul telling Timothy? You find a leader. You find somebody you want as an elder in your church. One of the things that you need, that person needs, is to be able to be a teacher of the Word of God. That person to be able to take the Word of God, make it part of their life, and then pass that on to somebody else. Be able to sit down and have a conversation with an open Bible. This is what God's teaching me. I want to encourage you with this same thing. Able to teach. Also, as you look down through that list back at 1 Timothy, not given to drunkenness. I just want to remind you of their culture. Paul said to Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Very popular drink. The water wasn't good. You couldn't buy a bottle of water. You couldn't go to Publix and say, okay, I want some good water today. So it had been really easy for those believers to say, well, let's just add a little extra. Nobody will ever know. I just need a little bit more. So if you have your Bible, go to Ephesians. You all know this passage of Scripture, but I think it's important that you look at it with your eyes and your Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What's the Lord's will? Do not get drunk with wine. Why? Because it leads to debauchery. So as a leader of Bible Fellowship Church, I need, the elders need, not to be men that get drunk. Now I want to say something here. I'm not against you And I've never had this, so I don't know if it's true or not. Some people tell me after a hot day outside mowing grass, some of the best best things to drink is open up a whole beer. I don't know if that's true or not. I've never tasted any before. The reason I've not tasted any is not because I'm a goody two-shoes and not because I'm a preacher. The reason I've never drank any is because I have a, a very compulsive individual. If there's sweet tea in my refrigerator in the morning, guess what? It'll be gone by the afternoon. So if I figure out that I like beer, I'm not one of those guys that's just going to drink one beer. So I know myself. So I made a choice that I'm just not interested in. Do I think it's wrong to drink a beer? No. Do I think I'm more spiritual because I don't drink a beer? No. But what I've found is, out of all the years I've been involved in ministry, alcohol has never really helped anybody. It's only hurt people. So you as a believer in your family are going to have to make a choice. I'm going to encourage you. Biblically, it is totally wrong for you to get drunk. It's wrong. But as an individual, it's your choice how you deal with alcohol. The next thing that you look on that list, if you go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, is not violent. It's very interesting that Paul would even bring this up as I think about this passage of Scripture. It's also very interesting that you think about a leader in a church, an elder, an overseer, and this is one of the characteristics that he does not want in a leader's life. Not contentious. Not looking for a fight. It's interesting, Charles Spurgeon wrote years ago, he told his pastor of his college students, do not go about with your fists dubbed up for a fight. Over theologic, with, and having a theological revolver in the leg of your trousers. Now it's interesting that you would think believers that are spiritually mature would be wise enough not to fight over things that really don't matter. Now if somebody walks into our family and says there's other ways to heaven than Jesus, guess who's going to be in the first in line to have a conversation with them? Be very nice with them. It won't be rude. won't be mean. If they continue on in their conversations, we'll just ask them very nicely that you're no longer welcome at Bible Fellowship Church. Because that is not true. When I got out of Word of Life, years ago, I had all these little things that I thought were really, really important. If you're not this, you're not this. And I mean, I just, I was willing to fight over things that really didn't matter. I'm not that way anymore. I think it's important for us as believers. We save yourself a believer. Save yourself as a Christ follower. Then be spiritually mature in this area of your life. Mark your battles. Don't be one of those people that are looking for a fight, but be this person. Be gentle, gracious, considerate, abstaining from a fight. Now saying that, I want to give you a picture of this. Um, go with me to Luke chapter 23. been doing Luke in my devotions, um, and I came to this passage of scripture as I was going through uh, this, um, also going through First Timothy, I was reading through 
um, Luke chapter 23. And I want to show you an incredible, I think, an incredible illustration of the word gentle. And I want to look at um, Luke 23, verse 1. <clears throat> Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Christ, the king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. Then Pilate summoned to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no basis or for a charge against this man. But they insisted... He stirs up the people all over Judah by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was from a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Because for a long time, he had been waiting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he had hoped to see him perform some miracles. Piled him with question, many questions. But Jesus gave them no answer. The chief priests and teachers of the law were standing there, accusing him. Then Herod and the soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, he sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. I want you to think about something. You've got the Savior, the creator of the world, standing in a group of mere men. And they're making accusations. They're ridiculing him. They're laughing at him. And he doesn't do anything about it. No chastisement, no anger. We see nothing, no response from the person that was standing there that was right from the person that had done the right thing his whole life. He's standing there as people mock him, ridicule him, laugh at him. He's the one that could say, you know what, stop that person's heart. Stop that one. Hey, hold on a second. Angels, let's go. Let's show these jokers who's in charge. Let's show them how much power has been vested in me. But he chose not to. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to know that it's possible. He wants you to know that He loves you. Not just in a word. He could have said, you know what, for God's love, the Lord, the gave His only begotten Son. He could have just wrote it. You know, He didn't. He wrote it, and then He lived it out for you. He wanted you to see what a living example of the word gentle meant. The most powerful person in all the world made a choice. Even when He was right. Even when He could have fixed the problem. He made a choice to stand there for you so that you could have a Savior, so that you could have forgiveness, so that out of your life could come living water. So that out of your life, there would be nothing like, you know what, Lord, I love you. If there's something you want in my life, I'll follow you. Lord, if there's some place for me to be involved, to serve, hey, I'll get involved. Why? Because that's what he did for you. Another passage, and I won't share it for the sake of time, is James chapter 1, 19. Well, wait, I want to read that. Go to James chapter 1. 
Look at verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone, verse, uh, James 1, 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says, like a man who looks at his face in a mirror, and after going, looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks at. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but does it, he will be blessed for what he does. See, there's, it's, there's, there's really cool thing. Yeah, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I need a Savior. Jesus, I got a sin problem. That's, that's really neat to get to that point in your relationship. Say, you know what? I want a Savior. The next step in your relationship is to look at the perfect law and say, you know what? I'm not just going to look at it. I'm not just going to read it. I'm not going to say, oh, that's really a great verse for so-and-so. I'm going to look at it intently. And I'm going to do what? I'm going to obey it. The person that obeys the word of God is blessed. Does that mean you're going to get rich? No. That means you're going to make wise choices that's going to bless you beyond your years. You know what's one of the neat things is if I'm willing to follow God's plan for my life, my life will be blessed. How is it blessed? I have Susan. I have Rachel. We have Seth. You know what the world's saying? No, there's somebody else out there. Go find somebody else. But the word of God says, husbands, love your wife. So am I going to do what the world says? Or am I going to do what God says? Well, my buddies say, just let's go out and do this, this, and this. But the word of God says, husbands, love your wife sacrificially. That means I spend time. It means I spend energy, spend effort, spend resources. Why? Because that's what he did for me. See, it's really easy to gather around, come sit in a seat, listen to some stuff. Oh, that was this made me feel. No, that's not what this is for. It's for you to gather around, come and look at. What's it to look at? Say, here's truth. Here's the word of God. This is God's word for you. You know the great song when I was a kid? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. It's still my book. I still want the same book. I'm not changing. The older I'm getting, I'm finding, you know what? It's hard to live this book. The more I open it up, it's like, okay, Lord, can you just give me something nice today? I really don't want you to punch me in the nose again. It's like, well, nope, I want you to work on this. Please, come on. I mean, give me a break. No, he's he's conforming my life to be what he wants me to be. You know, it's it's interesting as we, the last thing I want to share with you about 1 Timothy chapter 3 is not quarrelsome, reluctant to fight. So you gather together as a family, 
There's 10 characteristics so far that we've looked at for a leader of Bible Fellowship Church, for an elder. Person to be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, gentle, and not quarrelsome. Why is this important? I believe this is important because my Savior, Jesus, wants us to look different than the world. And so if Paul would just say to Timothy, hey, just pick, any, pick the good old boys. Just pick anybody. Put them in leadership. Just pick that person. No big deal. You just pick anybody. Are you really going to be challenged in your relationship? Or is God saying, hey, I want to set a standard. Not perfect. There's not one of us, and as leadership of Bible Fellowship Church, of these ten things, can we say that we have that all figured out? truth of the matter is we're growing in every area of this, these ten things that we've talked about. But it's interesting in a day and age that we live, I want the world to look at me and say, you know what, there's something different about that God. It will be not have anything to be about what I do or don't do, what will make me different from the world is that He is my Savior. That I believe God the Father sent His Son Jesus, born of a Virgin Mary, to die on a cross for me. That's what makes me different. And I go to that cross and say, you know what, I need some power today. I need some help today. I need you so that I can spew out living water. Because I get tired. I get frustrated. I get disappointed. Say, can you help me today? Can you encourage me today? Could you strengthen me today? Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to be different. It's time for us to live our lives different than the world lives our lives. It's time for us to stop and say, you know what? I'm not going to be involved in that because I don't think that's what my father wants me to do. A wonderful passage of scripture. Maybe you should spend some time just thinking about it this afternoon. Maybe you need to go home and just read it and soak in this passage of scripture. But John chapter 17. Christ prays for the disciples. It's very interesting to me what he prays. He doesn't ask his Father in heaven to take the disciples out of this world. He asks his Father in heaven to protect his sons. That their lives would be different. In John chapter 17, verse 20, Christ prays for all of us believers. He prays that our life, and our message would be different. Come to realize that if I believe that hell is true, which I do believe that hell is true, come to realize that I have an opportunity in Highlands County to be different. And I have an opportunity to be a lifeline to Highlands County. My goal is to be involved in community things. 
My goal is to be out there so that people ask me questions. Hey, what's, what's different about you? My opportunity is to say, hey, I'll introduce you to my best friend. His name is Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for me. I have a passion that we as a family move outside of these walls as a lifeline for Jesus Christ. Not your political view, not your prejudice, not your preference, a lifeline to represent Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are his missionaries. We have been called to step out of this meeting and go out and live our lives differently. Not in your own strength, with the Holy Spirit that you've been sealed with. Live your life differently. Not only do I have a passion to be involved in those with people in community, I have a passion for those people come into this building, that they're involved in discipleship. It's not good. It's not good enough for us just to sit here one Sunday or one hour a week. It's not enough. It's not. Church in America is weak. I believe it's weak because their Bibles aren't open. And I believe when they open their Bibles, their heart's not ready to surrender. It's really easy to open a Bible and get what you want to get. It's very difficult to open up the Word of God and say, Okay, Lord, I'm giving you permission to speak to me. I'm giving you permission to show me this is true. What is true in this book, I want to follow. it. What I know is true. As a leader, as part of this Bible Fellowship Church family, I have purpose in my heart to be above reproach, husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, gentle, and not quarrelsome. I'm praying you're going to do the same thing. I'm praying that when the Word of God is open to you and you look at this list, none of us... None of us got this whole list figured out. But as you look at this list, and when the Holy Spirit punches you in the nose, at whatever area he's going to show you, in this of these ten, that you'll say, I surrender. That you'll step back and say, okay, Holy Spirit, thank you for showing me the truth. Now would you help me make some change? Help me to live my life different. I want you to pray with me. Father, as you look down on our family, You know which ones belong to you. You know which ones are sons and daughters in this building today. You know which ones have raised their hand years ago in their life, said, yeah, Jesus, I want forgiveness of my sins. Yeah, that's me, but they've lived their lives for themselves ever since that day. So I don't know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. I'm just saying to you this morning, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Christ follower, then I want to encourage you with the help of the Holy Spirit to prove it. You prove it by your words. You prove it by your lifestyle. You prove it by your surrender to the Holy Spirit in your life. You prove it. You let the whole world know by your actions that you belong to Jesus. That you're different. God, if there's a group in this room that has a passion and purpose in their heart, To be different. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would empower us to be different. No matter what the world says, that we would say yes to you, Jesus. No matter how hard it gets. No matter how easy it is. No matter how the tendency in our own souls to say, you know what? Oh, well, I can wait on that. No, no. That we would be sons and daughters sold out to the truth of the word of God with open hearts and open surrender to the truth.
that we'd stop playing games. Holy Spirit, you know who's playing games in here this morning. You know the ones that, if, that aren't even going to spend eternity in heaven. You know the ones that are lost. So if you're playing games and the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart this morning, you better surrender. You better give up. You better say, hey, that's it. I'm in. I, I got it. You got my attention. I surrender. If there's a still small voice knocking at your heart and something saying like this, you don't belong to Jesus. And there's no better day than today. For God so loved you that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you confess in your mouth, Lord Jesus, believe in your heart and you're saved. You've never done that. It's not about the word. It's not about raising your hand. It's about you as an individual making a choice and saying, Jesus, I put my faith in you. You've never done that. You need to do it today. Holy Spirit, if there's somebody in this building today that's never put their faith in you, may you make their lives miserable till they say yes to you, Jesus. Father, we've gathered around your word to us. Things that you've given to Paul to share with Timothy about the leadership of a church, the elders, the characteristics. Father, may our leadership, starting with me, be men that have a passion for these things. Be men to be willing to say, you know what? Hey, I messed it up there, but I'm going to keep on growing. I'm inadequate there, but I'm going to keep on growing. Lord, may we as leaders be surrendered to you. May our lives live lives based on these standards. Father, I pray you'd raise up a generation of people in our family that are sold out to you. That when they open the word of God and truth is revealed to them, that you'd grab their hearts and they'd be willing to follow you. Father, please, may we never be a group of people that gather and just sing songs We say there's a river of life flowing out of us. May it be true. May people's lives see us say, I want what they've got. Their life will be changed. Can you imagine what it would be like if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, I want what you've got. And all you can say to them is, Jesus, can you imagine the life change? They've been rescued from from the pit of hell because Jesus Christ lived out in you. Make us different, Jesus. Give us courage. Make the sons and daughters that are sold out to you. Jesus, you gave it all for us. May we love you because you loved us. May we serve you because you serve us. May we follow you because you follow your father. In your name I pray. Amen.